Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Philippians chapter 4, I want to talk a little bit more about the goodness of God, about His desire his plan for us to know Him as our, as our provider. We have been on a series recently called Filled to the Full. And we're going to be in part three tonight of that series, Filled to the Full. And we are looking at uh, God's nature, His character of, of being our provider, our supplier. In our previous sessions, we've covered some ground. They're available on our YouTube channel, free uh, to watch there on our, or listen to on our podcast channel, on our Roku channel. You can go back and watch those. We also uh, have talked about how that in, uh, for instance, uh, in Genesis chapter 15, that God introduced himself to Abraham as the El Shaddai, which is the God of more than enough. Amen? And then in a few chapters uh, uh, later, he introduces himself. Actually, he, Abraham experienced in his relationship with God, God being provider, and he named that place when he was uh, preparing to honor God by sacrificing Isaac, and God prepared the ram in the thicket, and he, said, he called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord who sees and provides, because that's where he came to know God as his provider. And we're recognizing that God wants us to know him as provider. Amen. When Moses first encountered God, he hid his face from God. He was at the burning bush. He was hiding from the glory but as he continued walking with God, continued experiencing uh, in his interactions, he came to the place where he said he was no longer hiding his face from the light of God. He was, he was saying, God, show me your glory. I want to see your glory. I want to know your glory. And this is our walk with God, that what we know about him today is not all there is to know about him. He wants us to know him progressively. He wants us to come to know him even more tomorrow than we did yesterday. He wants us to know him as our Savior. He wants us to move beyond that. We want to definitely know him as our Savior, but he doesn't want us to encamp there. He wants us to continue and to know him as our healer and to know him as our way maker and to know him as our strength and the provider of our wisdom. We, we want to know him in every characteristic that pertains to him. Amen? And one of those main characteristics, because God is a father by nature, he is our heavenly father. 
And as our Father, He desires to be the provider to whom we depend on, to whom we look to. He doesn't want us to look at the world system. He wants us to look to His system. He doesn't want us to look for our provision elsewhere. He wants us to come to Him and say, Lord, You have seen ahead of every need that could ever be encountered in my life. And you have provided for me. And Lord, if I'm on the right path, there's provision on my path. Every, every good and perfect gift comes from our Heavenly Father. And He wants us to know Him and His gifts. Amen. Philippians chapter 4 helps us to see this character of God. Philippians 4.19 says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul is speaking, of course, to this church at Philippi who had partnered with him. And they had sown into the ministry that he had been assigned to accomplish. And as a result, he is in his heart recognizing God's going to pour back into your life because you've sown into this work of God. God is going to bring a provision into your life. He's going to meet need in your life. He's going to supply in your life in a way that goes beyond any experience you've had before. My God shall supply all your need. We looked at this and we it, it is always good to review the fact that there is a divine order in this verse and God is first in the order. The need is not first in our life. The need does not take a place of higher preeminence or higher importance in our life. God is above every need. God is above every every demand that's being placed upon your life, every financial situation that you may not even have expected to be encountering. God is above it. It didn't catch him off guard. It didn't get him uh, so that he's trying to scramble around and figure out how he's going to supply that need. God is above every need. He is greater than. He is greater than, and you can just put him, if you have that greater than equation, remember when you were in elementary school and they, were, they had that little uh, alligator symbol, that alligator mouth symbol, and they said that this is the greater than and the less than symbol. And if it's in, if it's in the greater than position, then you put, God about, you put God in the greater than no matter what. You may put on the other side of that equation, God is always going to be greater than. He's greater than any disease. He's greater than any need. He's greater than any sickness. He's greater than any attack. He's greater than any dilemma. He's greater than any obstacle. He's greater than any situation. He's greater than any circumstance. Whatever it is you face, whatever difficulty, whatever attack against your children, whatever attack against your marriage, whatever attack against your family, God is greater. He's greater. He's greater. You can't name a thing that's greater than our God. You can't encounter a thing. You can search the world over and God is still greater. He's greater than my God, my God. Notice he is my God. He is a personal God to us. He is our heavenly father. He is our Jehovah Jireh. He is our El Shaddai. He is our Jehovah Rapha. He is our God. My God shall 
supply. Supply comes second in the divine order. God first, supply second, need comes last on the list. My God shall supply all your need. All, all your need. Is God capable of supplying all your need? Is it within his power to supply any need that it currently exists or will ever come into existence into your life? Can God meet it? Do you think there's a need that you could ever encounter that's, that's beyond God's capacity to meet it? Heavens, no. My God shall supply. He shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. The, Weiss, the Kenneth E. Weiss translation says, My God shall satisfy to the full your every need. Satisfy to the full. So that's not a just barely meeting the need and leaving you nothing left over. He is satisfying to the full. He's, he, he wants you to see fullness in the way he meets the need. Satisfying to the full. The Amplified says, he will liberally supply. Now, you're not going to find that when you open your bag of chips. There's no liberal supply. I haven't found a bag of chips with a liberal supply. They don't know anything about God's ability to supply. They don't know anything about filling to the full at the Lay's factory, at the Doritos company, right? But God, he, he, has, a, he has a method. He, this, is, this is God. He says, no, give it a good measure. No, 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 no. Shake it down. Shake it down. Come on, shake it. Because you shake it down and everything shifts until there's no air left. There's no room left. And then, then press it down. And then, no, just keep going. Just keep, it's running over. I know, just keep going. Good measure, press down, shaking together and running over. That's God's supply system. That's God's supply method. Liberally supply. Fill to the full, the Amplified goes on to say. God will liberally supply, fill to the full. This is the picture your heavenly father wants you to see of his nature, of his activity in supplying your need. He wants you to see him filling it to the full. He wants you to see him if you've got, for instance, when the waitress is there pouring the coffee or the tea into the glass, into the coffee cup, and you say, that's good. And she just keeps pouring and just keeps pouring until it starts pouring over the cup. And you're like, wait, wait, it's pouring over. And she just keeps pouring until it's running all down the table. God is the one who causes our cup to run over. He will liberally supply, fill to the full, your every need. And I want to go back and look at this phrase, according to his riches. God supplies not according to the size or the demand of the need. God supplies according to. The word according to is a connecting word. It means in harmony with. It means in line with. 
if we, if we were to all be in one accord, we would be in agreement with each other. If, if musically we were in one accord, we would all be in the same key, singing within that key. We could be singing different notes within that key, but hopefully we're all in that key, right? For us to be in, in one accord, we have to have that agreement. And so God's supply is not in agreement with how much your need is. His supply finds its agreement in His riches. God supplies according to, in line with, in agreement with, connected to His riches. His riches. This word according is a word in the original language that means according to one's own, privately, alone. So this is telling us that this full supply, filled to the full, liberally supplied, satisfied to the full, according to God's own private riches. God's own private riches. Hallelujah. He, he's not taking it out of the general fund. He's not just going to get James's supply out of the general fund of the kingdom. He's reaching in his own pocket. He's pulling out his own wallet and he's saying, I'm going to meet your need. I'm going to meet your need out of my supply. Hallelujah. According to his riches, his riches in glory. Hallelujah. So we are, we are endeavoring to allow His Word to identify how He supplies. And we, we've looked at the blessing, and I'm not going to go through all of the different verses that we have, we have covered about the blessing, and we will definitely return to the blessing because you cannot exhaust the importance or the impact of the blessing. But I want to continue along this line according to His supply, according to His riches, and learning how to see that when God meets need, He goes above and beyond. And let's look at John chapter 6. John chapter 6, and we'll look at verse... Oh, heavens... I, I, before I go to John 6, I don't want to go too fast past uh, Leviticus 26. Let me go back to Leviticus 26 because we may not have covered that completely in a previous teaching. Let's go back to Leviticus 26 and we'll follow the Lord because we're not in a hurry. I pastor here. I'll be back. <laughs> Leviticus 26. It's, you know, when, you, when you're visiting somewhere, you got to... You got to hit it hard, you know, and, and but when you're, when you know I'm going to be here, we can lay a foundation, we can let it soak in, we can come back and we can stir it back up again. Verse 4 of Leviticus 26, I will give you rain in due season, is God saying I'm going to be the supply of your rain. I'll give you rain in due season and the land shall yield her increase. Why? Because God is supplying God is supplying, and in God's supply, it causes the land to yield increase to us. The trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and your threshing 
your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time, and you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. So, so what does that mean? That your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time. It's talking about the, the expanse of the harvest. That there's going to be, because of my supply of rain, and because it is causing your land to yield increase, the increase is going to be to the extreme, that your threshing, you're not going to have downtime in between your harvest. There's going to be so much of a wheat harvest that you're going to have to stay into the field. And just when you just get the wheat harvest accomplished, you're going to turn around and we don't get two weeks off. It's time to get the grapes ready. Get the grapes in. We got to get, you know, when a harvest is ready, you can't leave it. It doesn't matter what else is going on in your life. If the harvest is ready in the field, you can't just say, well, I'll have to get to it next week. No, you've got to get it while it's ready. And so he's saying, you're going to be so, so active in harvesting that your activity in the wheat harvest is going to keep you, keep you busy, keep you, keep you active until the grape harvest is ready. You're going to pull that grape harvest and just by that, that time, it's going to be time for you to sow again. There's going to be such an increase, you're going to be harvesting continually. Go ahead and say that happens to me all the time. Go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. that happens to me all the time. Because I'm a sower. I'm a sower. I'm, I'm generous with the blessing God has given me. I'm, I'm giving unto, unto the, the work of God. I'm giving into the poor. I'm giving. I'm a giver. And so you know what? That means harvest. God is causing the harvest. This is His supply and it's coming in the form of a harvest, and it's because he, he provided the rain in due season, the rain at the right time to cause my job to bring forth, my sowing to bring forth, to cause my streams of income to bring forth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can, can we just look at Amos 9? Amos 9 is a supernatural harvest verse and we are in a supernatural time we are in a time when when God is uh, causing a um, acceleration in financial harvest Amos chapter 9 I want to look at verse 13 let me see verse 13 says behold the days come says the Lord that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes, him that soweth the seed. It's again talking about such an, such an acceleration in my harvest that it's causing it to come in as quick as I'm getting it in the ground. It's coming back to me and it's going back in the ground and it's coming back to me and it's going back in the ground. This supernatural acceleration is because of the blessing. It says, the mountain shall drop sweet wine and all the hills shall melt. It's talking about such a supply and such a ripeness of my harvest that, that it's flowing. It's flowing. Hallelujah. 
that harvest flow. And so this is what God is talking about in the blessing. He is causing this increase in our lives. Why? Because you are Abraham's seed. I am Abraham's heir. Abraham is not present in the earth today to receive the covenant inheritance of the promise that was made to him. That promise is now to whatever seed of Abraham is alive and walking on this planet. I think I'm looking at Abraham's seed. You are Abraham's heir. And as Abraham's heir, the promise, the promise was this. Hebrews chapter 6 tells us the promise. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. And then it tells us in that same chapter that we are not to be slow about receiving this promise, but that we are to be diligent and with faith and patience laying hold of it and receiving that inheritance. I'm an heir to that. The blessing promise is mine. It belongs to me. And God wants me to have it so that he can establish his covenant on me. I'm not talking about money for hoarding. I'm talking about you being blessed to be a blessing. You're going to be blessed if you choose to be a blessing. The blessing's going to be in your life. It's going to be on your life if it can come through your life. If God can make you a blessing, you're going to be blessed. Hallelujah. His plan is the blessing plan with every person God ever cut covenant with. He established the blessing in their life. With every person God interacted with, his supply into their life was the blessing, his desire in their life. In Numbers chapter 6, God wrote words of blessing, the only prayer God ever wrote himself. And he wanted it declared over his people because he wants the words of the blessing to govern the activity and the direction and the flow of our lives. And so he, he commanded the high priest to speak words of blessing. And we have a faithful high priest tonight. We have a high priest who is alive in heaven at the right hand of God, who is speaking the blessing over us. We have no reason not to walk in the blessing. We are an heir of the blessing. We have a high priest who's speaking words of the blessing. Every time we bring our tithe, he releases more of that blessing flow to be dominant in our lives. Hallelujah. So we're talking about God's plan. God's plan is your blessing. God's plan is our blessing for the purpose of us being a blessing. But in the midst of it, we will encounter the blessing and experience the blessing. But we've got to know our God as the God of more than enough. We've got to know him as a provider. We've got to know him as a supplier. We've got to know God. It says those who come unto God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. We've got to believe God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We've got to believe that God rewards faithfulness. We've got to believe that God causes the showers of blessing to come down in our life. We've got to believe that he is who he says he is. Good. When... When, Abraham, when Moses said, show me your glory, God said, Moses, I'm going to show you my goodness. 
And he came declaring how generous he was and how merciful he was and how good he was. How gracious and full of the desire to bestow and grant favor. Hallelujah. So we've got to know him that way. And the only way, you're not going to know him that way through your emotions. We're not going to know him that way through our natural feelings. Only the word can reveal this nature of God to us. Only the Word can illuminate our understanding so that we know that we know that we know God is faithful to His Word. That we know that we know that we know God is a God who keeps covenant with us. His covenant is working in my life. It's working. Hallelujah. And we've got to see His supply. John chapter 6. I think I'm ready for John 6 now. John chapter 6. We're we're looking at an example that our Savior has given us in this chapter. And I'm going to start in verse 11. We see there was a need. Oh, we should start in verse 6. Oh, we should start in verse 5. Have mercy. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, Whence? Shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus knew what he was going to do, but now he wants his disciples to learn something. He wants his disciples to uh, be uh, aware that Jesus is, is about to do something. He's asking him this question to locate him, not because Jesus didn't know where he was, but Philip didn't know where he was. Philip did not know his perception until this question came to him and it was revealed when he said, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now think about that question, where, where, whence? is a King James version of the word where. Where? He's not asking Philip, do we have enough money? He's not asking Philip, do we have supply to buy bread for all these people? He just wants to know where. Do you know a bakery that has enough bread? Now, you know there wasn't a bakery in that day anyway. They were all local shops and they would have had to have gone to every vendor and they were out in the, the wilderness, out, out far away in the mountain. It said Jesus went up into a mountain in verse 3. So they followed him out of the city limits, however far. And they are now hungry and Jesus, his question is not because he's looking for a supply. He already knows where the supply is. But he's wanting to see if Philip knows where, where are we going to get bread. Where is the question. Not how much. But what does Philip answer with? Philip is thinking about amount. He's got a not enough mentality. And this is why Jesus was proving him. This is why Jesus was bringing to his attention, why are you thinking that way? Had, had you, I have, so I'm just going to ask, if anybody else has ever said something and then after you said it, 
you just wish you could retract what you said and just like grab those words and bring them back and just, uh, somebody sent me uh, an email and then they said, uh, they sent one behind it and said, so-and-so would like to retract that email. I'm like, you can't retract that. It was already been sent. It's in my box. You can't retract it, right? Uh, but but there have been times I've said some things. I wish I could just go into the air and delete them, but I couldn't, right? I, I would say Philip later wished he could have deleted his answer. 200 penny worth of bread. He is looking at the need and he is already calculating how far beyond this need is than his supply. And this is why we want the word of God to identify our more than enough providing, supplying heavenly father, our God who is able to supply all your need, all all, fill to the full, cram, furnish, abundantly supply, satisfy to the full, all. Because too many times we look at our need and we allow that image of the need and the pressing weightiness of the need to have more of a place in our imagination than the knowledge of how sufficient our God is. Remember, he said, I am El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. All-sufficient one. You, you can't find an area God doesn't have sufficiency. And so Philip said an answer that was not in line with the question. The question was where, and Philip is talking about we don't have enough. 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient. Circle that, not sufficient. Underline it, circle it, mark it in your Bible. Not sufficient? Wait a minute. All sufficient, God? Is there a need that we say what I have is not sufficient? If he's my covenant-keeping God, then what he has is mine and what I have is his. That's how covenant works. That's the partnership in our covenant. He said, not sufficient. And then he says this, not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. He's just, he's thinking about handfuls. If we just tried to give everybody a handful, two bites, you know, just barely enough to help them make it back to town. Not just a little. Jesus isn't thinking little. He's not thinking, how can I get everybody a little? But Philip was thinking, how can I get everybody just a little? We don't even have enough for we, to everybody just have a little bit. And then Andrew, Andrew gets a little bit of an inspiration here. Andrew, he said in verse 9, there is a boy here. There is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fish. Now, you know that was inspiration because they're looking at a multitude that 200 penny worth of bread would not even be sufficient for every person to take a little. And now Andrew's talking about five, we're talking about a little boy's lunch, five loaves of bread. We're not talking about French loaves this long. We're not talking about Subway 12 footers. We're talking about five, five little boy lunches, five little boy size pieces of bread right? And two little fish. 
We're not talking about the fish this long or this long. You know how the fish story is. It, came, it keeps getting wider, right? No, we're not talking. We're talking about little boy lunch. And then he also reverts, as Philip did, to this not enough mentality. He says, but what are they among so many? What is he seeing? The, the many. He's seeing the need. He's got the divine order out. It's God, supply, need. He's taken need and put it way above in respect and in honor. He's like, whoo look at that need. You see that need? Ooh, that need's big, big need, big need, big need. No, we don't talk about Goliath like that. David, he came out and he said, he's nothing. Goliath, are you going to let him talk like that? You want to see, you want to see great let me tell you about God. Goliath isn't that much. Goliath's not impressive. I'm not even impressed. I'm not impressed with his size. I'm not impressed with his threat. I'm not impressed with his, his uh, shield or his sword. I'm not impressed with the need because I've been looking at God. How can I be impressed with this financial demand when I've been looking at God and I see his supply? Philip and Andrew have their focus on the so many that every one of them. But Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. 5,000. Jesus wasn't, imp it wasn't impressed by the need. He knew what he would do. Jesus knew what he would do with a full understanding of how many were there. Because the need wasn't um, the, in the equation. The need wasn't the determining factor in the equation. God's not meeting according to my need. He's not supplying according to my need. He's supplying according to his riches and glory. That's the, that's the equation. So whatever the need may be, God supply from his riches and glory. That's the focus. Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples to them, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. So it says when he had given thanks, which is in other gospels, it refers to the fact that he blessed it. He broke it and he blessed it. He gave thanks and he blessed it. And then he, Jesus distributed to the disciples. He did not put in the hands of the disciples enough to feed 5,000. It multiplied as they distributed it. They couldn't carry it all at one time. It just kept coming. It just kept, the harvest just kept coming. Every time they would give some away, they got more in their hands. Every time they passed some out, they looked and I still have as much as I had when I was standing in front of the master I, I, as, as he, they're giving it. So they walked away from the, the, from the master with what they had in their hands and they continued to have what they had in their hands as much as they gave away. 
they, they, it just kept coming back into their hands. How am I doing this? And, and they didn't just give a little. They didn't just give a little. Notice what it says here. The disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they wanted. As much as they would means as much as they wanted. So the disciples kept walking around handing out food until everybody said, I can't eat anymore. I mean, everybody, 5,000 men, and you know theologians say that does not count the women and the children. So there were more than 5,000 people here, probably a lot more than 5,000 people, but we know of 5,000 that a little boy's lunch, after being multiplied and increased by the blessing of Jesus fed everybody until they couldn't eat anymore. And then it wasn't done. God didn't stop when they said, I can't eat another bite. I am so stuffed. There was still more. It says they gathered. It says when they were filled, when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets. Now, this word in the original language, according to a Greek scholar, I'm not one, but a Greek scholar, Rick Renner, describes this uh, basket as a man-sized basket. It was a, a, it was a basket about this big. It was, it was not a little basket that Dorothy had over her arm. And so he says... 12 of those, 12 of those man-sized baskets. You know, the kind of basket they hid the, the uh, Apostle Paul and put him down over the, you remember that? And Saul hid in some baskets, right? Baskets. That's the kind of basket this is talking about. They filled 12 of them after everybody had eaten until they were full. Hallelujah. It says, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above, over and above unto them that had eaten. Over and above. That's God's plan. That's what God's aiming at. Over and above. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Over and above. Over and above in my life. I, I want God to be able to express himself for who he really is. I don't want God to have to hold back. I don't want him to have to feel like, you know, well, I can't be myself around Michelle. <laughs> Father, show me your goodness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be faithful with it. I'm going to do good and, and be a blessing with it. But I want God to experience his multiplication and expressing his desire to meet need and supply above and over in my life. Amen? Amen. So notice this, this sequence. They all ate as much as they wanted. They were all full and there was excess left over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what God wants to do in your life. He wants you to know him that way. There are people, there are people who know God as Savior and they have not moved any farther along in their relationship with him. That's all they know. 
You know, I, I, I shared this previously, but when I first got born again, all I wanted was help to get my life back together. Just, Lord, help me get off drugs. That's all I cared about. That's, they, the person who was sharing the gospel with me, that was their, their point that got my attention. That God loves you and Jesus died on the cross to help set you free, Michelle. And that one desire, I, I thought at that moment, as my first husband was laid in the uh, intensive care unit of the hospital, there in Memorial Hospital in Goodlettsville, Tennessee, as he, he was there and his brain that had suffered a lack of oxygen from the drug overdose, his brain was swelling and they were, we were preparing to take him off the machines. And the person who had prayed with him the Sunday before in his grandmother's church came to the hospital and, was, and had me in the chapel praying with me and said, God wants to help get you off drugs. And all I knew at that moment, if God wants to help me, I, I need his help. And I prayed the prayer asking God to forgive me and for Jesus to be my Lord. And I'm here today because of that one little glimmer of hope in that prayer. I didn't know that he would make me righteous. I didn't know that he would, he would clean my life up. I didn't know he would bring a, 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 a husband who would love me like Christ loves the church. I didn't know that he would, he would put me in the ministry. I didn't know any of the great things I know about him now. I didn't know he was a healer. I didn't know that he was a blesser. I didn't know he was a way maker. I didn't know he was a strengthener. I didn't know he supplied wisdom. I didn't know any of that. I just wanted him to help me get my life cleaned up. But now that I know him, I've come to know him. More than I met, I met him that day, but I know him today. I know him in ways that other people don't know him. He wants all of us to know him like this. He wants us to know, I am a supply for you. I love you, and I want you to depend on me. I want you to come to me if you need it. I want you to learn my ways so that I can bless you continually. So the, the whole thing about God's ways are, are to establish His continual flow in our life. His continual flow of the blessing, of His help, of His light, of His, His uh, strength in our life. He said in Isaiah 48, He said, I will teach you to profit and I will show you the way that you should go. We don't have to try to figure out which way we should go. We don't have to try all these different ways. He says there is the way that he has already picked out. He said, I will show you the way that you should go. That's the one I want. I want that way. I don't want to try all these and have to take detours and shortcuts and retract my steps and two steps forward and five steps backward. No, just show me the way I should go. Amen. And you know how he does it? He does it through our relationship with him and his word, through our following the leading of his Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And in his word, he gives us instructions 
to walk in financial victory, financial stability. You know, it, when I came to know aspects of the covenant, it, it solidifies. When I, di- when I recognize God loves me as my father, but he established covenant with me so that it can be so certain in my life. And in that covenant, you come to be certain about things. Because you know God is a covenant keeper. God is true to his word. He's going to watch over his word to perform it. And his word is hidden in my heart. And I've got his word in my mouth. And that's the word he's watching over, the word that's in my heart and in my mouth. Amen? he's, He's watching over it from here isn't as effective as him watching over what's in my heart and in my mouth. And so God establishes his word so that I can walk in it so that he can watch over the progress of that word in my life. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Can I show you one more example? Luke chapter 5. We have our hour of power on Wednesday night, but I didn't start this till about 15 after. So (laughs) does that count? Luke chapter 5. I won't keep you long. Luke chapter 5, and let's begin in verse, oh, let's start in verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's and prayed him or asked him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught or a catch. And Simon answered, now here we go, here we go. Remember Philip's answer? Do you remember Andrew's answer? We, we found out what was really in their heart because out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. So now we're, what we're finding is what's really in the heart. Simon said, we have worked all night and we have taken nothing. What's on his mind? Nothing. We don't have anything. I don't have enough. We didn't get anything. I've been working and it's not doing any good. I've been working and I don't have enough money to pay these bills. I've been working and I have nothing to show for it. We've toiled all night and we have taken nothing. Nevertheless, here comes that moment of inspiration. At your word, I will let down the net. At your word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done... They enclosed a great multitude of fish and their net broke. Such a multitude of fish. Had they toiled all night, they couldn't get it in their own toiling. But when they did it by the word, when he acted on the word, when he acted on the word, there was a great multitude, a great harvest. Is that the kind of harvest that causes your threshing to reach unto your vintage and your vintage to reach unto your sowing? 
Is that the kind of harvest that causes the hills to melt sweet wine? Is that the, the kind of harvest that causes this acceleration in your life? He said there was such a harvest. The Bible says there was such a harvest, a multitude of fish, that their net broke, and they beckoned unto their partners, who, which were in the other ship, that they would come and help them. And they came, and there was so much fish that it filled not just one ship. There was enough fish. There was so much fish that it filled not just one, one ship. It filled both ships, and it didn't just fill them to the just enough level. It didn't just fill them with, okay, both of them are full, and we're, at, we're, we're, we're full, we have enough. They didn't just fill them to sufficiency. It says they filled both the ships so that they began <laughs> such a harvest, such a harvest. Both ships were at sinking capacity. They were so filled. They were so abundantly supplied. They were crammed, furnished. Is that what he said? Is that what the definition of that word? My God shall supply, fill, cram, furnish. Satisfied to the full. He's not meeting their need based on their need. He's meeting their need based on his supply. This isn't just enough for Philip or for, for Peter who let Jesus borrow his boat, let Jesus preach out of his boat. He didn't just give enough to pay Philip back, He's, or to pay Peter back, forgive me, to pay Peter back, Simon Peter. He is giving him not just enough for him, but now Peter is a blessing. All by himself, he's a blessing. Everybody's glad they're partners with Peter right now. Everybody's like, "Woo! Peter is my friend. He is my, I'm so glad you're my friend, Peter. Pete, me and you, we go way back, right? Because Peter has become a blessing. He's not only blessed for himself and for his need and for his supply and for his family to eat tonight, but every person connected in his life, in that business, they're all going to eat good tonight. Everybody's kids get a new pair of shoes, right? Praise God. They began to sink the ships. These are, these are fishing vessels. They are meant to hold premium supplies of catch. But they are so full that both ships are about to sink. And look at Peter's response. When Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. I mean, the fear of God came on him. The holy awe and respect. He knew this is supernatural. This is not just a coincidence. This did not just happen. God did this. God gets all the glory for what happened to Peter and these ships. And then it tells us why. For he was astonished. Peter was astonished and all the people that were with him. They were astonished at the catch, the drop, the catch of the fishes, which they were so astonished. This is what 2 Corinthians is referring to when it says, 
that you will be enriched with all bountifulness which causes through us thanksgiving unto God. When that blessing of God begins to operate in your life, people are going to give Him glory. People are going to recognize and thank God for blessing you. Thank God for blessing me. They're going to say, I'm so glad God blessed you because I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made it if God hadn't blessed you. Amen? God's going to get all the glory for this supernatural supply. It was a supernatural supply. Hallelujah. Supernatural supply. Hallelujah. Can I show you one more? John 21. John 21. I want the Word to show us Him. I want us to see Him in His Word, revealing His nature and His desire for our life. John 21. Jesus, in this text, He has already been to the cross, raised from the dead. It says here in verse 3, Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. They said unto him, We will also go with you. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. You, you think about this. Here he is asking that question again. He knows what they have or what they don't have. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship and you'll find. They cast therefore, and now they, they were not able. They were... There's plenty of able-bodied men on that boat, on that ship. This is something they do all the time together. They're used to pulling in these nets. But there is such a harvest in those nets that they can't pull the net up. They, it says they were not able to pull the net up. How much fish has to be in that net that they are, it's designed for them to pull it up. It, they are, they, this is what they have done regularly. But now there is so much in that net that they are not capable of pulling the harvest up. Therefore, it says they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, and so you see John, we're in the book of John, and that's how John referred to himself. John said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him and did cast himself unto the sea. And the other, so he just jumped out of the boat to go straight to Jesus. Forget the boat, forget the net, forget the fish. I'm, if that's Jesus, I'm going. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from the land, but as it were 200 cubits. And what did they do? They're dragging the net they couldn't pull in. They didn't. They, they're dragging it. It's so full. The fish are still in the net, and they're dragging. They're like, I'm not leaving this harvest behind. Get everybody pull, heave, 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 pull, pull, pull. Come on, we're going to get this harvest in. They're dragging the net. 
And as they were come to the land, they saw a fire with coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. And Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land, full of great fish, a hundred and fifty and three, for all there were so many, yet the net was not broken. It was so full of fish that they couldn't pull it in, but God preserved it and didn't allow it to break the net. Do you remember the other one? It was so full, their net broke, and they still filled two ships till they sank, till they began to sink, right? God supernaturally maintained this harvest to come into his life, and they dragged it in. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. These are examples that are in the scripture for us to see God's provision. Just lift your hands right now and say this with me. Father, I have seen from your word that you are truly more than enough. Teach me, O Lord, to walk in your ways so that I can be an example of your blessing in the lives of others. Give me a generous heart so that I can walk with confidence as a sower, as a reaper. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. Have you received tonight? Fill to the full, fill to the full, fill to the full. That's God's plan for us. That's God's plan for us. Let's stand to our feet as we prepare to dismiss today.